Alpha step, omega step, kappa step, sigma step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh, heck you know, that boy is raw, aka step, delta step, sgo step, zeta step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh, heck you know, that boy is raw, I'ma get on this TV, mama, I'ma... Welcome to Culturally Bias, where we discuss everything in the culture, for the culture, by the culture. I go by the name of Shiz Penn. It's your boy O. Episode 16. What's going on, man? How you feeling this week? Feeling pretty good. Same we, as always. Understand. Same understand. Always, the weather's man. nice out. We have the pleasure of having a guest in the studio today. Um, world renowned. Black excellence. Viral sensation. Yeah. Um, should we run off the list of places that have... Acknowledge this young lady for the work she's doing. I don't think we got enough time for that, yo. I know the list is, def- the list is definitely, is definitely long. long, man. The list is definitely long. Um, welcome to the show. We have the student loan doctor. Excited to be here. How are you? I'm really good. It is a pleasure. It is definitely a pleasure um, to have you on the show today. Great um, to have you. And all the good work you're doing in the community. So, um, can we start with? Before we jump into your business, can we start with like kind of your backstory, how this kind of turned into like a full fledged business for you? Yeah, I was um I was super broke. I know the feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, the business actually um is a beautiful accident, but nothing really great is by accident. Um, initially when it got started, I was really just trying to help myself, um, and kind of work through my own personal finances, really like pay down my debt. Inside of the program that I went through, um, which was hosted by uh, Dave Ramsey, Financial yep. Peace. Great um, program. It's an excellent program. The part that was really missing, I've told Dave and his team this, I have, <laughs> um, was that there wasn't a lot of focus on student loans. And so that's my professional background. So what started to happen is that I would help people after church with their student loan debt. Okay. Now, I was only doing that for a few people that was in my class. And then... People from the community started to come in. It was held at a church. Okay. And then I'm like, now Jesus didn't say everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So long story short, um, I started meeting with people still for free at Corner Bakery. Yep. Cozy. Those were my two offices, right? I had two locations. And um, I remember it hit me one day. I really sat at Corner Bakery on City Line for like uh, maybe from nine to like seven. Back to back, I had a two-hour lunch break. Again, this is all free. And I was like, no, I got to figure out how much. Um, Wait, 9 to 7 p.m.? Yeah, I was there all day. That's Jeez. crazy. Yeah, yeah, I was committed. They ain't never, like, <laughs> yeah. they ain't never try to throw you out of there? I was flirting with the manager at a, at a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I was going nowhere. Nope, I still owe my date. I can't cash in on that, sir. Can't um, cash in on that, Joy. That's when I knew it was time to get office. He started pressing on me. I was like, ah. <laughs> he kept saying, yo, what's up with that date, man? He was like, when are we going to get together? I'm like, ah, so I'm going to my calendar set up. Um, so long story short, <laughs> um, nobody ever missed their free appointment. That's the funniest okay. thing. Like, literally, I would have people waiting at the next table over with their pen and paper. I, I didn't, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and so then, ultimately, I remember um, I put it on social media. I was like, I, I got the keys, and it was an office probably like the size of the one we're in right now. And I was super proud of it. I remember uh, that post. Yeah, and it, and it. long story short, 11 people booked that night. And my girlfriend, uh, Rynisha, she owns Credit Medic. She said to me, 
She said, the way you do it is one or two clients should be able to pay for the office. Like, that was the math behind it. I'm like, how do you know if it's time? And she's like, as long as one or two people can pay for it, you, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. I was like, okay. So when 11 people booked, I was like, oh, well, I just paid for That's it. Paid for it. Okay. So I was really, really excited. So literally, I, would, I was working from 9 to 5, and then I would rush to Jenkintown and work from 6 to 10. And I did this for about six entire months, never missed a beat, even did some Saturdays and Sundays. And I remember looking at the math, and I was thinking, you know, I'm making what I make in an eight-hour workday, I'm making in four. Right. So I remember, I was like, oh, I was like, I might have to leave my job. Yep. Now, I will say, between then and that time, I got an invitation to the White House. Okay. And that, that was what Sheesh. really, you don't, like, leave the White House the same after that. Right. So when I went to the White House, Obama administration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you had to let that be known. I told the Trump administration no, actually. I got an invitation. To yes, thank you. Shout like, no, out to you, man. I just been this year. is good. I'm good. Um, this is 2017. So anyway, so I go to the uh, the White House, and the conversation was um, about issues that affect African-American women and girls. And it was 50 people invited to the room. And I remember I was like the last person to speak. And I said, by show of hands, how many people here have student loan debt? Everybody raised their hand. And I was like, but yet it's the conversation we have not had that disproportionately affects African American women. Absolutely. And I was like, oh. Yeah. So the, that didn't really go further, but for what it did for me was it really validated me and my topic. And I remember going back to work. Like you just don't go back to work the next day acting. From normal. the White House, yeah. like not from the White yeah, House. You know what? Let's, let's knock this forty out this different. week. <laughs> I never forget my college president at the time. He came to my office, and him and I were very, very friendly. He supported me through my graduation. Very nice guy. And he said, hey, so you got a minute. I'm like, oh, here we go. I said, hey, Jim, uh, what's going on? He was like, yeah, I saw you at the White House. They, they showed me the pictures from Facebook. I'm like, and I'm like, who on my Facebook got to get eliminated, right? right? So I said, oh, well, Jim, I tell you, I was on a PTO, okay? Mm. <laughs> he said, oh, no, don't worry about that. He said, we just love to support you. That's code for you're officially on the radar, right? Right, right. So I remember going home thinking I'm going to have to either stop this or make it work. And um, a few more months into it, I remember texting my mom, like, Mom, I think I want to go full-time with this. The numbers say X, Y, Z. What are your thoughts? I said, you know, just reply yes or no. Would I be homeless if it fell? And she said, um, no. And so my mom's an old-school, devout teacher, like, you know, retirement, pension. And when she said no, I was like, all right, let me put my two weeks in before she changes her mind. Right. Um, okay. But it's really been blessed ever since. I, You know, so, it's been really good. Let me ask you this question. I'm sorry. Oh, I'll let you chime in here. They Come on, come you ain't going to let me do nothing. They just coming to me. Um, <laughs> can you speak a little bit of how hard it is? Because it's, it's a very big step, making a step from mm-hmm. a, a traditional nine-to-five mm-hmm. to going to a business owner. Yeah. How hard is that decision-making process? Because you go from benefits, 401K, pay yeah. for it, to you having to figure all of that. Oh, yeah. Like, when I left my job, my health insurance for a year straight was $1,000 a month. Like, nobody talks about that part. Right. I didn't see that in the memes. Right. Okay. So, and I don't believe in being without health insurance. So, I'm not going to start anything new. Absolutely. And I, and I said to myself, if I'm going to leave my job, then I, it has to be more or equivalent to what I'm already making. Okay. Benefits included. Still contributing to retirement. Like, these things are important to me fundamentally. So, I wasn't about to leave and then, you know, figure it out and eat beans and rice. I'm not doing that. Absolutely. So. My thing was, if I'm going to leave, then let me make sure I can really afford to leave. So that really makes you look at what is the cost of work. Like, what do you really need to bring in each month? 
with everything covered, not having to skim or anything. You don't want your lifestyle to change. Like, what does that number look like? So I figured out that number, and then I figured out what I needed to make. Now, shortly after, what I realized is you also have to hire because, you can't you know, do it all yourself. That's weird. So mm-hmm. that's not a real business if you're just doing it all by yourself all day, every day. Initially, yes, but it shouldn't stay that way. So a few months in, um, I got hooked up. Um, her name's Miss Carolyn. We're still together. And she was my first hire. And that was a big deal because somebody's looking at you like, when do I go to lunch? I'm like, where you want to go? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just used to going to lunch <laughs> from all the time. Um, can I take the off today? And now I got to think, like, if I give her off, what's going to happen? Like, who has to cover the business? Um, and I had to say, well, you can't go out on these days because I got to travel on these days. So it really made me develop myself as a leader. Okay. So now the books and the podcasts that I'm reading is all about leadership because now I'm really responsible for someone's payroll. And my, my favorite saying is I don't have kids. I got people with kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I'm taking you on, I got to make sure I can cover you before me at this point. Um, and then after that, long story short, I just believe that God puts the right people in your place. I started doing some events around the city and this young lady named Sheena kept coming down from New York. Okay. And kept volunteering. I'm like, what you coming for? I can't pay you. And I remember she just kept showing up, showing up. Send me a DM saying, I'm on my way to come help. <laughs> and I remember saying to her, I said, well, if I ever get a chance to hire a coach, I said, I'll keep you in mind. You'll be my first hire. She said, okay. So, like, that summer, I was like, all right, we're going to start you with a few hours to see how this works. And it was good. She was really dedicated to it, never complained, always went with the ups and flows. Fast forward, I'm just going to hit fast forward, long story short. She said, I think I'm going to leave my job. I said, no, I don't think you should do that. I said, I don't think that we can afford you and you have to feed a child. Like, she has a child. I said, right. I don't think he'll be able to eat. I think you should stay at work, and I think we'll just kind of scale the hours up more, and I'll cut back. And You know, that was my plan. And she's like, no, I think I'm going to leave. I'm like, I didn't say that. So right. fast forward, I promise you, one day I get on Facebook. She's like, I quit my like job. yeah, she's like the shiny armor face. Like, I left my job. I'm a new woman. I'm like, ah. Go back. Like, I cried. She's excited. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, for real crying. I didn't say that. God didn't tell me that. She said, well, God told me. All right, fast forward. Literally, that's when everything happened. The shade room happened and all the the big explosion. Right. And I was like, well, what else did God say to you? Because she didn't hear something I didn't hear. Right, absolutely. But literally, if she wasn't available when we got the promotion and the blow up that we got, um, it, it wouldn't have went as smoothly because I was already taxed to the core with my appointments. She was pretty much taxed, but literally, like, our our calendars had filled up for over three weeks out, like, when that came. And then the, the burden was, oh, I'm going to have to hire, hire, like, more right, people. Right. So I had to do, like, a boot camp style of hiring. But the good thing is I had already had people in mind, kind of knew what their skill set was. And um, literally it was just a month every day after work of training, training, training. And I remember I don't ever want to have to train like that again. Um, and then I was able to scale. So now I have about seven people that work for me. Awesome. And they all have, the, and you all train them and have the same skills that you have. Mm-hmm. So they all have a degree. They all have a college background. Um, most of them have a sales background. Um, you know, there's some intangibles that you just can't hire for. Yeah. Right. Like I can't make you be nice to people. Right. Um, I can't make you even like people. Right. And so um, there were certain things that I just kind of go with my intuition about people when I hire. 
And then there's certain things that have led me. I had to, you know, let a few people go. And I, that's sad. It happens. But yeah. I still like them as a person. Right. We like each other. But what you're not going to do is, like, if this is my child and I'm extending you in, like, I got to make sure that you care about it how I care about it. Right. And the thing that I tell my team is we're not a black business. We're a business. Right. Right. And if you make me feel like you're treating this like a small black business, you're not aligned with the mission. Right. Because you could just see right. literally in a few months it went from a little little kitchen mm-hmm. shop to a nationwide phenomenon. And so if you're aligned with what we're doing and where we're going, then you have visions for it, it being bigger than a yeah. small business. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, before you started anything, where, uh, where did you go to school at? Bloomsburg. Okay. Bloomsburg University in the mountain. With The biggest thing on the news is when the ducks got hit, when somebody didn't stop for them. And what did you go to school for at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. So um, originally it was psychology. Uh-huh. Junior year, I changed it to anthropology. Um, I just needed to graduate, so I think I got a degree in anthropology. That's what okay. it is. <laughs> um, but you know, I tell people all the time, like whatever your degree is in, it really doesn't matter. It really. I doesn't. mean, unless you kind of be like a nurse or a doctor, like that matters. Yeah. But like a bachelor's is a bachelor's, period. Mm-hmm. No matter I've, what. I've never seen anybody look at my transcripts and go, "What well, now? What happened in this class?" Like I've right. never seen that. Never happens. They just want to know if you got that paper. And, so, and then depending on the type of job you do, can you sell yourself? Like mm-hmm. that's the most important factor. Right. My first job, literally, she saw that I was a Delta. That's why I was laughing at the intro. She saw I was a Delta. And she was like, "Oh yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're good." good. Yeah. And I was like, so I don't got to do the other interview? She's like, no, nah, I'll see you on Monday. I'm like, oh, well, I guess my dues came in handy. Right. Like, that was my first <laughs> job. I don't know. So it just, just depends. Okay. So you spoke a little bit about uh, the amount of student loan debt that, of course, burns the entire country, but mm-hmm. that African Americans are faced with. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that we need to start considering before entering college? Yeah. So... Borrowing determination should equal career compensation. Talk about it, please. So I'll say it again. Borrowing determination should equal career compensation. So let's not borrow eighty thousand and we're only expected to make forty. Yep. That's a bad return on investment. Right. And, oh, I'm sorry, not to cut you off. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a lot of first year, second year students mm-hmm. that believe it's free money. What's free? You know, when they get their student loan, they, they get the, the, the refund refunds. Check. They get the refunds and, you know, and ball they're, out. They're decking out their apartments in college. Like, do you, do you understand the cost that this money is I was, coming I at? was one of them. I was one of them. They Stripping. don't. They don't understand. Can I go live? This is good. Yes, please. So they don't understand. I'll tell you why. So remember, traditionally, African-American young people don't normally touch thousands at a time. So college really could be the first time that someone was presented with a refund check. Mm-hmm. Like, in your name, come to the Bursar's office and pick up $3,000. Like, that's a euphoric feel. Like, oh, right. 3000 Right. Because you never had that type of experience with money. You may have not even seen your parents, except for tax refund time, with that experience with money. Mm-hmm. And then if you saw your mom with it during refund time, what did she do? Spending. Yeah. There wasn't a conversation about save, return, or it was like, oh, we're going to get this, this, this done. So it's the same programming. Yep. And then the problem is, too, is that there's no um, there's no attachment to the money right. because college graduation is so far out. It's four more years. And then you're like, oh, I have forever to pay it off. But we don't understand that laws are now changing and being put in place to prohibit those with student loan debt. So the thing is, like, no, I okay, say slavery doesn't exist, right? But financial bonds do, right. right? I think Meek Mills talked about it in his last, his last track. Mm-hmm. Take away your bread, like, there you go. So 
The problem is when you go to home buy, you have over fifty thousand or sixty thousand in student loan debt. You're told from the bet no. Right. So so now you can't get a part of the American pie. You can't even get it land. You can't buy a home because you have a degree. Mm-hmm. And then what really sucks is when you go to work and you, let's say you're making forty and and Bob's making forty. You look to your left and Bob has no student loan debt and you do. Right. It's a different type of forty. Yeah. That doesn't Absolutely. even feel the same. So now you're not even as motivated or excited to be at work because your bills look a little different than, than his does. And so I remember sitting in class, I forget her name, and she was just, like, not excited about the class. Like, she was going to fail. Mm. And I'm I'm grinding. Like, I can't fail. And I'm like, well, you, I was like, you don't want to study? You don't want to try? She was like, oh, my gosh. She was like, my, my college is paid for. I'm like, well, who paid for it? Like, what scholarship was that? She was like, oh, no, my uncle, oh, when he passed away, he passed down some money, and it was just from my college. Uh-huh. She was like, oh, I, I'm good. I have a certain amount I could take up to. I could take a few more classes over. And I was like, wow. We're sitting here with two different problems. Yep. Yeah. If I don't pass this class, there is no money left for me to go to school. Mm-hmm. If you don't pass this class, there is still money left because somebody planned ahead for you. Absolutely. So there's a difference, and we're going to keep seeing that difference show up until – so uh, my thing about millennials is that, no, maybe this isn't the generation that's going to get out of debt, but maybe this is the generation that will have their children or their children's children out of debt because of all the information and the knowledge right. that we're learning. So, like, your children's children shouldn't know what a student loan is. That's a cuss word. I totally agree. So uh, what's your mm-hmm. what, what's your take on uh, forbearances and deferments? So <laughs> it's a cuss word. Um, <laughs> no. Um, no, deferment's not a cuss word. If you're in school, like, you need a deferment. But a forbearance is the thing that people just keep using until it runs out, and then you didn't know it ran out, and now you're in default. So the thing about uh, forbearance is if you need it because your employment isn't right or things are shaky, you should use it. But you shouldn't use it if you don't need to use it. Right. Most people put the cart before the horse, meaning they get their apartment or their house they get their car, and then their student loan payment. But in theory, it should be student loan payment, home, then car. Okay. That's how the government sees it. But that's not how we see it. Right. So when people come to us like, I just, I'm always in deferment or forbearance. I just don't know. Well, that's because your money has no room now for a student loan payment. Right. You put things there before it. A new car. And then the new car syndrome. Every two years, somebody got to get an upgrade. Well, you keep upgrading every two years. What's going to happen is you're going to find yourself with always having a car payment. Right. If you eliminated the car payment, you could pay your loans. Right. So it just kind of depends on what priorities. And, and the thing is, like, you shouldn't feel ashamed because most people don't have these conversations with money. I sure didn't have these conversations with money. But when you know better, you do better. So it doesn't matter for people until they're trying to buy a home, until they're trying to have good credit. Until they have children, that's when the that's when things start kicking in high gear for people. Okay, I, I totally agree. Um, but when we look at like forbearance, um, to your point, with the access to information that we have this, today, <coughs> mm-hmm. we're just being ignorant to something just because we want to, right? Or you didn't get the job you thought you would get coming out of college, so now you don't want to pay back the money you borrowed. And that's actually a bad way to look at right. the money relationship because the end goal of whatever your degree turned out to be is not due to the money they lent you five, four or five years ago. Right. So I, I feel bad about a lot of the, the numbers in terms of 
how high the debt is now. But mm-hmm. I don't feel bad about the decisions that people are making with their money because they're not prioritizing right. Right. So once the conversation has been had, then you can hold people liable. But a lot of us are walking around financially ignorant. And because we don't have conversations amongst our friends and our family, we're going to stay ignorant. I literally put a post up today just to get feedback and just kind of see people are mad with me today, though, but today, but I don't care. I put up there, I said, you, credit score 530, friend, credit score 730, sis, you got a wrong friend. You have the wrong friend. We have a right. bad friend. Yeah. And all these comments are going back and forth, and you can see the different philosophies and how people think. So who's the bad friend? So the bad friend is the person. So my thought is if I have a 700 and you're my friend and I don't at least try to attempt or show you to get a 700, you're a bad friend. You're a bad friend. Yep. Yeah. Now, it could be quite possible that I have tried to show you and you told me no. That's right. very possible. Sure. I'll receive that. But if I don't at least attempt to have the conversation with you, to show you how to do better with your money, then I'm the bad friend. We're actually not friends. Totally agree. Yeah. That's how Mary. I agree. So, totally agree. So, we t- we're talking a little bit about um, what should a s- post-graduation, what's the first thing we should do preparing to pay back our student loan debt? You really have to take inventory of what the payment estimated to be. So, you know, you get that first letter in the mail, like, you owe 1000 too much, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you just put it, you rip it up, throw it away. Okay. What you really should do is consider all of your options. What a lot of people don't know is there are about six or seven repayment plans that are available. They're still available through the Obama administration. So, while we have Trump in office, they just don't know what to do with student loans. They still have Obama's plans in play, which means you can still take advantage of affordable plans. The other thing is you do have to live below your means. And that's a big thing for people. Um, I said earlier, um, if you look at someone, you never can tell what's in their bank account or their credit score. But we live in a society, unfortunately, that, you know, a Gucci belt says wealth. No, that could they could have bought it with their last dollar. Yeah. Yep. Or somebody's holding a Louis bag or um, a Gucci bag. Whatever, and then it could be a dollar inside. So we just live in a very pretending, pretentious um, society. And so, unfortunately, that keeps the stigma going. Um, And then that's how I I say to people all the time, like, I feel like since I've started this business, I know who's broke. I just feel it on them. It makes me itch. (laughs) And because I do help a lot of popular people in the city, I wouldn't say any names, of course. You'd be surprised. Oh, everybody broke. You know what I'm saying? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And I I really give credit to those that are saying, like, girl, I don't want to live like this no more. It's hard to be a pretender. Um, And it's really hard because you feel like you got to live a certain way because that lifestyle is dictated by social media, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, like, everybody is fake living their best life on trips. The cost is too high, though, when you think about it at the end of the day. You know, you're in debt. Mm Mm-hmm. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. You're overspending. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, it eventually it catches up to you. So, yeah, and I think what's going to happen is ultimately um, we find out who great pretenders are. Yeah. And you know, and it's no judgment. Again, they're just going by what they know, what they think they know. But we really are in an age and time where people really appreciate authenticity. Right. Um, and that's what you know. I strive to be, and that's what I try to share. And, you know, I always start off my top, my talks with, like, you know, I was the overdraft queen. 
Now, yeah. if you know what that means, you'll look down like, oh, I'm still there. You know? <laughs> and you should be listening as to how to get out of that space. Yeah. So, I, like, I feel like uh, us, us as a people, like, we have to show that we have money. Like, like that's the first thing we have to do is, like, okay, I have money. I want to go buy, go buy mm-hmm. stuff. So... With that, with that being said, do is it like any like low payment options for like paying back your loans? Mm-hmm. So the repay plan, the pay plan, the IBR plan are all still great options. It's going to depend on how much of the loans you owe, who you take care of, and how much you make. Unfortunately, what I do see a lot of times is that um, you know, as African American couples, let's say they decide to get married. Mm-hmm. Bob has loans, Susan has loans. All right, that's not African-American names, but you get it, (laughs) right? What happens is nobody's taking in consideration all this loan debt is now that they're now seen as a joint entity in terms of salary. I never said that the salary wasn't there. It's the debt. So now if let's say we get married and I have 80,000 and you have 60, that's 140. And then let's say I make 90 and you're making 90, we're doing great. Oh, so y'all make 180? So now it's 180 being looked at with your payment. I know that payment yeah. worked well. Yes. That payment very well is scary. So what happens is now you have to think, do we need to do Mary file separate? You know, these are all the conversations you have to really start to have. Yep. Or maybe we're just good friends forever. I don't know. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, like, we, we may not be able to do It's a business. We may not be able to do well together if you have astronomical debt, I got astronomical debt. Like, maybe that's not the plan. Right. right. And so now you got to start thinking about on your on your second date. So how much did you say you owe? Um, these are the questions you got to ask when you you're You do dating. have to ask those questions. No, I you really I do. You I want to know your credit score, how much you owe, how much you in yeah. debt. Yeah, I don't know when's the best time to ask those type of questions. They have to be asked. Though. They have to be asked. And I always tell young ladies, because I get this question a lot, especially in my DM, Lord, um, like when you're dating, when, when it's important, do you think that, like, so people are really asking me, like, a lot of young professional women always ask me, if they're dating someone that has bad credit, do you help them? Um, do you not date them? Do you? And credit really is just a number. And credit can go up and it can go down. So I don't think you shouldn't date somebody because they don't have good credit. So I think I want to see the score, though, because I want to understand your buying history. Exactly. Your report. Like, yes. understand your buying history. I if you got three repos, yes. like, all right, I'm out of here. Now, so what? <laughs> I'm out of here. Right. So what repo probably tell me is that you're you're not really you're not committed to the repayment plan. <coughs> you may not be too committed to me. So I might need to understand your buying history to understand your pattern and behavior. What I tell a lot of people is is that credit history or credit reports is just like a relationship history. Imagine before you start dating this woman, right? And you got a printout. You would then make a real firm decision if this is somebody you wanted to date. Totally agree. Did, did she stop talking to people after two weeks? Did she cut them off? Did she even pay them back? I don't know. Totally agree. So that's how I feel like the credit report is very, very similar to. And we do have to understand that like marriage is a business. Like mm-hmm. I believe yeah. I'm going on married 10 years. Mm. It's 70-30 probably. It's 70% business, 30% relationship. Mm. Because everything we do has a business aspect to it. Mm-hmm. The home we can afford. Mm-hmm. The insurance we have, mm-hmm. your student loan debt, my student loan debt, mm-hmm. it all plays a factor. So we actually, you have children? I have two. Okay, they, we actually do more. Too. We do more business. Mm-hmm. The relationship stuff is cute, but mm-hmm. it's 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 more business at right. the end of the day. Yeah, if you can't be, if you're in a relationship and you can't get to business or do business with that person, it's really not going to work because right. love love does run thin, looks fade away, um, and all you really do have is the things that you've come together on. 
and I feel like you could do good by yourself, but you should do better with the with the next person. Absolutely. Or be by yourself. Or be right. by yourself. Because mm-hmm. it's hard to carry dead weight uphill. It is. It's definitely hard. It is. You can't live your best life if you're doing mm-hmm. that. So you, you have to think about the person that you're with in terms of what do they add value to you? Um, you know, are they helping you align? Are they aligned with your goals, helping you get to your bigger goals? Um, those things are important. And I think that we don't have that conversation enough, especially in the millennial era, because everyone is like so hung up on memes and what relationships should look like. But at the end of the day, like, I need to know that you are about my business, about how I'm about my business. Absolutely. Because if not, then you're a distraction. Right. And that we must not have. Like, can't have that. No, right. absolutely not. Time is a valuable resource. The time most valuable resource. Time you can't resource. get back. Money you can yep. make more of. Facts. <laughs> right. So. Get my time back. <laughs> should there be college prep course, how they offer college prep courses? Should they be offering something or should someone be offering student loan prep? I do believe that. Our high schools are not preparing students for the real world, and I think that colleges have a burden, too. So what happens is when you go to college, and I know this because I used to work at one, and you take out financial aid, that's called Title IV funding. Yep. And you know how, like, ITT Tech closed down? They didn't close down because they were not a good school. No, they closed down because 90% of people defaulted on their loans. Because they didn't find jobs that could pay for the programming, right? So you almost have to put the burden even on the colleges to help prepare and train these people for when you leave, or schools, when you leave that you should be able to go into the the, the working world, the economy, and give back. If not, your school closes down. Yep. You're on the Title IV, I call it the hot list. Yep. And I used to work for a school that was on the hot list, and that scared all of us Absolutely. because if they cut you off the, the tree of life, mm-hmm. Title IV funding, out of here, we're done. literally you're closed. Let's see, ITT Tech got closed down from uh, financial aid in the summer, by that mid-fall, people came to work and the door was locked. That's how it goes. Wow. So it's important to have these conversations because you're putting graduates out into the world that can't sustain or repay. Okay, so now our community, speaking mm-hmm. from our community, we have enough graduates. Um, should we be having deeper conversations about selecting your major, mm-hmm. selecting your profession? Yeah, African-American students are known to study the ologies. Right. Such as sociology. Sociology, psychology, psychology. anthropology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty. Um, and that's because sometimes our schools do underprepare students or do not make them feel confident for the sciences and the maths. Totally agree. So when you get to college, you're like, that's science, bro. I can't take oh, that Oh, it's major. four sciences. Yeah. I can't take that or, major. <laughs> oh, this one only got one? That's the intro to science? You know, pre-prep level, sign me up. <laughs> I want to go for reading. Like, I never see nobody got a good job with reading. Yep. I never see that, right. you know. <laughs> so I think that we're not even having great conversations about studying and preparing for majors even. So to, I agree because I, I totally agree. And we have to have the conversation about earning power, mm-hmm. right? Because if you go to school to be an engineer, let's say you're – first entry-level job, you're at $75,000. That's mm-hmm. entry-level. If you go for sociology, your entry-level job is thirty-five dollars to $40,000. Mm-hmm. That's a huge difference, mm-hmm. especially when you guys pay the same thing for education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why this guy is the engineer major is 10 years ahead of you in less than five years because 
the starting pay is so low in these areas. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to school to get the master's degree so you can make ten more thousand dollars, mm -hmm. which makes no sense because you spent ninety thousand dollars on a secondary yeah. education. Putting yourself further in debt. So I'm laughing in my head, right? I'm really laughing in my head. Like, ah, look at me there. Like, Ew. So I remember this guy said to me, I never forget, it didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> it just came to me what you said. So I'm graduating my degree in anthropology, and I was so confident graduating. I was like, I mean, I'm going to get a good job, and I got to know who I am. And the other thing is, I think we don't help our kids understand their gifts. My gift, since I was a little tot, has been sales. I used to be the type that would put a rope around a chair and swing you back and forth for $1 just so I can get my candy because I didn't want to ask my mom for it. Right? So, like, I always had a hustle. But that really is a gift. That's like, a gift. That's a gift. Right. That's sales. Same here. Yeah. Sales so background. 17, I was making 2000 every two weeks at 17, selling watches and dryers. I had them lined up. I had a system. Used to write papers. But I never understood that. And if we really would help our children understand sales and a gift a little more before they get to college, they would choose the most appropriate major. Like, maybe my major should have been business, right? Because right. I just had already got it going mm -hmm. into it. So it's so easy that this business is successful because I was hustling since I was, I don't know, five, right? Right. So fast forward, long story short, I feel like sometimes we don't allow our children to really take inventory of their gifts. Or sometimes as parents, we're not able to pull it out because we don't recognize it in them. But I was with my little cousin the other day, and I said, um, if you get straight A's, I said, I'll give you $50. She said, let's make it 75 I said, oh, that's a gift. Like, <laughs> who taught her that? Like, she never seen anybody so I negotiate the, that. I had the same thing going, and my daughter wants to go to Utah this summer. Mm -hmm. So she has, she stays on honor roll, all A's, all four, four reporting periods. Mm -hmm. We're going to Utah. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy about the bill I got to pick up, but... Mm -hmm. That was what she negotiated. Mm -hmm. She said, if I have A's, all four report cards, mm -hmm. we go to Utah? Yeah. All right. That's the incentive you need? Let's do it. Yeah. But that's... We but have to motivate them to yeah. either overachieve, not just meet in the line. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's very well, different. I will say I'm very <laughs> grateful, um, and I even employ this with my friends and, and so forth. My, my aunt, she, I really would, like, if she was still alive, I would send her a big thank you. She used to say to me and my other cousins, if you get straight A's, I'll give you $100, mm -hmm. right? So you telling a nine-year-old that, like, I'm going to go bust it out. Literally, what is it, three marking periods? I had got that one year straight A's because I'm very money motivated. She had to cut the program off because she didn't expect, right. like, statistically, <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't get it. I hear you. One cousin got it one year. Four years later, another cousin got it. But here I am getting it one year. She's like, what in the, you know. Right. And so she was like, well, the, the program's been suspended. Because I'm gearing <laughs> up for next year. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's so funny. My grandmother had to pick it up because I'm like, so now I got to get cut off, you know. So, but you just have to, you have to allow kids to show you their, their strengths and gifts. I say all that to say I was going somewhere. The story was, I remember graduating and the guy was like, oh, my degree um, is in IT and I'm going to make more than you. And I was like, I'm going to hustle more than you. I'm going to make more than you. I said, we'll see each other in a few years. Hey, sir. Did you see Hey, sir. <laughs> Have you seen him? He sees me. Where is no he? No worries. No, I mean, he's no, doing okay. Well. okay. But what I was trying to explain to him is it doesn't matter what degree you have. It's right. what you got inside of Not you. Not at all. The hustle. Work ethic will, the work ethic work ethic yeah. will, will outwork anybody. You, I will outwork you until I can no longer work. I've always been <laughs> underqualified for yes. like every position I apply for, but I can sell myself. 
I am a B student. This is yep. I am not an A student. Same here. I think if you talk to me long enough, you're like, she's not that bright. Huh? But I am a hustler. <laughs> I was literally I used to get to work at 8 a.m. I wouldn't leave to 9 p.m. And that's how really, to be quite honest, the president and I became friends because I was leaving when he was leaving. And right. he was like, he would look in, he was like, You still here? I said, Yeah, Jen, we've got a number to hit. Like I was really, really personal and took that serious. So when I told them that it's time to give me a raise, like literally I said a meeting. I said, hey, guys, uh, I looked at the average, the national average for this job, and I'm a little below. Uh, I'm looking, I think I'm going to have to start applying here. Uh, we're going to have to get me up to, to the average. That's about <laughs> 8000 What do you think we could do? Next paycheck, I had my 8000 Now, I applaud, so. you for, I applaud you for this because <laughs> it's so many of us that end up in corporate America that don't walk in the office and ask for the money we deserve. Right. That is okay to do. That is not disrespectful. If you have the proven track record to justify the money, you should walk in the office. Mm -hmm. I'm known to do it. I will threaten leaving Mm -hmm. because I can take my talents Mm -hmm. elsewhere and be overpaid. They knew I could. Literally, I remember I just kept over over exceeding the goal. And I was like, I'm coming up on that raise. I'm feeling that. They didn't know. I knew. Because the raise was like, uh, what is it, 500 per year or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I'm going to do with that. So my thing is, I was like, um... Yeah, I'm going to need to get this raise. I don't have to start applying. You don't want me to go to the competitor down the street, do you? And you know yeah. I'm here till 9 o'clock. Every day. <laughs> so you can literally, I was singly handed, hit the goal. Like, you yep. can count on me to hit the goal. Yep. Literally, the day my grandmother passed was in 2013. I remember going into work that day. I had to close up students. And I mean, my grandmother was my best friend. And I held it through. I, and literally, as soon as I hit the goal, I bust out crying and mm. I took off for a week. But I hit my goal. Yeah. Like you're not gonna say she didn't hit her goal. So like that, but that that work ethic, I just think sometimes it's lacking and it's missing sometimes. And I don't know how you get it. I don't know. No, if some people got theory. it or they got it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like I was definitely afraid of yeah. butt beatings. You know, like I don't know. My mom's a teacher and she always used to say, Don't fear the teachers, fear me. That's real. Mm. You could you could do whatever you want to say whatever you said at school and I was respectful. But getting home, looking at her, I'm like, oh, that's not gonna go well. Um, and so for me, I think she was a, she obviously was a great mom. Um, and there was just some things that she just instilled in me. My grandmother exuded uh, excellence. She was the first in our family to graduate with a college degree. So that set the trajectory too. I remember junior year, I called her like, grandma, I'm coming home. I'm just going to work. Did it. I had a whole plan. I unenrolled all my classes. (laughs) No, she said to me, she said, where would you live? Mm. I was like, I'm going to come home and live in the back room. I got a whole, I'll be out in a year and. She said, oh, no, baby, this is reserved for holidays and breaks. <laughs> and she didn't laugh. And I was like, oh. I said, let me call you back. I had to call my advisor and say, put my classes back in. Take me. You know, because she wouldn't let me stop. And I, right. I really appreciate that. Because I was That's really decent. coming home. I was really coming home. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Is college as important as it once was? Uh, Yeah. It, you know what? So there's some things that you're just going to learn and experience in college that you wouldn't if you didn't go. Right now, I don't know if it needs to be experienced at sixty thousand dollars, but right. um, I think that we just need to start doing college in a smarter, wiser way. The thing that college is lacking is right now real world experience. Mm-hmm. Like you could literally learn on the job, but it's still going to be some fundamentals that you might miss if you didn't go to school. And then every major and every profession doesn't always allow you to hustle your way through. Sure. Like, my doctor better not hustle his way through. I'm going to need no, him to go. No, we have a whole problem. Yeah. We need, <laughs> I need all 17 years. All your conditions right. to be correct. I'm actually, I'm, can I see your transcripts? Right. Um, so there are certain things, like, that I, I don't want to be skimmed and skipped on. Is college for everybody? No. 
Okay, so how Absolutely do we, not. how do we identify what what students it's for and what students mm-hmm. it's not for? Because we get these students, right? right. I'm going to go try it out. Mm-hmm. You try it out for two years and realize, hey, this isn't for me. But you also racked up a tab right. over those two years. But, I mean, here's the thing. If you're very careful and you're careful enough and you really watch and observe that student prior to college, you would see what they were interested I- in beforehand like they they got sent away because there was no other option Mm -hmm. but maybe they're just really really good with computers and tech prior to school they learned on youtube university or something right right maybe (coughs) excuse me you have somebody that's really good with hair you should encourage that but sometimes we look down on that i agree for the sake of just getting a degree and then Mm -hmm. you get just a degree and then you get just an average job like it has to be some passion aligned with it as Mm -hmm. well so I like the approach, like, okay, if you want to give college a try, let's try out at community. Right. Let's not try out at Penn. None of my time. Right. It's <laughs> a big difference with the bills going to look like. If it's a scholarship, go ahead and try it. But, right. Yeah. But even sometimes we set, our, set up our students for um, a really bad downfall sometimes in that regard, too, because culture is different. Yeah, it's Penn, and it sounds good. But Penn is different mm-hmm. than what the students used to growing up in, even if it's in the same city that they grew up in. Right. And then you can make that student feel inadequate or unsure. So that's why you have to have support programs available. You have to have clubs and committees, black student unions, things of that nature, so that they can identify with somebody that looks like them, that talks like them, that acts like them. And I remember saying to my best friend, he later told me that it changed his life, like, later, years later. I remember we was walking. He made me mad. I snapped on him. We were on our way to the commons. That's the lunch area. I said, who are you going to be? Are you going to be a thug or are you going to be a college student? Pick one. Pick it today. Because he was kept trying to talk about it. He's trapping it. He dip, 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 dip. And I'm like, because <laughs> yeah, he kept coming home from the weekend. So it's a Monday. He robbed up from his friends with the neighborhood. And then we back to school on Monday. You didn't leave that behind in Philadelphia. We up here with the birds and the, and the ducks, sir. Like, what are you doing? Right. Mm-hmm. And, like, who are you going to be? And I remember, well, he learned the hard way, trying to smoke weed on campus, trying to be cool. They got him. And literally, the the dean had to step in so he wouldn't get expelled, but then they suspended his financial aid. You know why he got it? Because he had to literally get another job. The only reason he was able to eat is because of me and a few friends, and he had to hustle and pay out of pocket for school that semester. They suspended his financial aid for a semester. Now, normally, that would make somebody quit, but he had enough tenacity to not quit. But he didn't. He didn't want to be a thug no more after that. Like once he realized he had to pay out of pocket, there was nobody sending him no love check to help him. Right. He was like, "All right, I get it." So sometimes students, especially from urban cities, have to decide who are they going to become. I know who you were, but who are you striving to become? Right. And everybody from back home can't come with you during this experience. Not going to make it. They're not going to understand. And then that's when you really learn the art of code switching. Yes, because on Friday through Sunday, you are so-and-so from the block. Okay, whatever, to a certain extent. But when you hit the turnpike, you have just become a college student all over again. And that's a really hard transition, more so for black males than females, because females can adapt. Yeah, it is, because we spend so much time in that environment. Mm -hmm. But I, I always looked at it as like, we didn't decide to come to college because that's what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I didn't drive five hours up the turnpike to hustle mm-hmm. to stay home. Mm-hmm. You know, so I get it. Like, it's, it's hard when we come from these, you know, our environment is our environment. But we are there to make change. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this question. Can you talk a little bit about the services that you currently provide? Yeah, so we're just like a hug in a box. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we have a free discovery call. That's when you tell us all your problems. And we say if we can help. 
Then we have a consultation. It's a 30-minute virtual or phone appointment. Um, one of the six ladies will help you figure out your whole life game plan, right? And then if you want us to move forward and do the work for you on your behalf, we can. But it's no pressure. I'm really, really big on no pressure. I don't want someone to feel like they got super soul sucked in. You'll never hear that about our business because at the end of the day, this is a lifestyle change. I can't make you make that $300 payment. That's not realistic. We can just show you what it could look like if you start to make payments. Your credit could look like this. You could buy a home. You could do X, Y, and Z. And so, really, we're between um, not having taxes garnished, <laughs> home buying, and good credit. Okay. That's where we're between. It's, it's probably where, no, let me back up and say that. Before the brand became as strong as it is, it was weird to probably just say you want to help with your loans. Right. Now it's very common. We get about 40, 50 DMs a day and paragraphs and long stories of what people want to do <laughs> and you know what I mean? And so like that's cool. But that wasn't always the case. It was very just much between like I got to get to this goal, can you help? But now it's kind of like becoming a, a cool thing to learn about your loans and, and say you're paying it back. like And so what I'm really envisioning is that we're going to have more public forum conversations about it. Okay. Um, when I first started the page and got started, nobody talked to me in my comments. I was just posting and I was just I was like, well, I talk to myself. I'm only child anyway, right? And then long story short, a comment came. And then another comment. I'm like, oh, there you go. Now we get so many comments and great engagement on our page because it's a safe space for people to talk about their debt. Got it. And they talk to each other and they connect with each other. You should just you should go look one day. And the funny thing is I'm driving up here and I'm saying to my friend, I'm like, yeah, um, I'm like, so she disagreed with my point of view. I was like, should I say something? <laughs> He's like, no, like, that's the page. Like, that's what the page is supposed to do. I'm like, I don't know about that. I'm not feeling real personal about this. But it's, it is good. You don't have to always agree with me. Right. And I actually do post things that make your feelings get hurt on purpose. Like, I said something like, um, I said, since you're broke because of who you're laying next to. Ooh, that one was on fire today. That is true, though. Well, it's facts. Yeah. But you know what happened? <laughs> I had 30 people in my DM like, sis, what must I do? To get myself together. Right. <laughs> and then I just sent them a link and say, check us out. You know, Long story short, I want to actually, two things are going to do something for people. You're either going to make people mad or you're going to motivate them. And that's the only way change is going to come about. Right. I'm not a motivator. If you're motivated and encouraged, uh, Godspeed. Thank you. But that's not what I actually do. I really want to make you mad because I know that mad and money go hand in hand. And you want to go change something about it. You may not agree with me. You actually may not like me. I'm cool with that, too. But you're going to do something about it. Right. You're going to learn something today. Because something <laughs> I said has stung you, and you're going to be thinking about it. Like, you know that she said? And like, you can literally look at the comments. Like, girl, I don't agree with that either. But I'm going to definitely check my score. because, Like, whatever. Do what you got to do, sis. So I think it's really cool that we have people really taking the time to think about where they're at, to think about their money, to think about their loans, um, to think about their future. And my thing is, um, if I'm dead and gone, what would my children's children's children say? Do they even know my name? Some people are going to leave this earth, and we're not going to remember them. Right. Legacy is very important. Mm-hmm. Super. You can't pass down a purse. You can't nah. pass down a red bottom. You can pass down an apartment building. Right. You can pass down a couple homes. You can pass down a business. You can pass down stocks, bonds, et cetera, et cetera, bank accounts. But no one is super excited about you 10 years from now because of red bottoms. Like, I've never seen that. Yes. So I always ask the women, especially particular women, when I'm in the room, so what's your legacy look like? 
Write up, write, write your obituary. Oh, you ever try to write your own obituary? It's gonna humble you. Mm-hmm. When you realize all you can say about yourself is that you were a nice person, you gonna do something about that. <laughs> that ain't a good look. <laughs> You ever go to a funeral and they say, he was so nice, he loved (laughs) Coca-Cola. That's it. That's all he did. Like, I don't want that to be my narrative. Absolutely. So I always think, like, you could add that to the obituary. I know that's weird. I know. No, I I look at it the same way because I think about my legacy. Mm Because how I look at it, I think I want my kids, kids, kids to know who Mm -hmm. I was. Mm -hmm. So I have to do all the work now. So my children will talk about me to my grandkids, Mm -hmm. and my grandkids will mention me to their kids. Exactly. You have to do the work. Exactly. And I think that because I don't have children, um, you know, I have godchildren, and I, you know, they have policies. They're more expensive than your actual children. They don't have no shame asking for nothing. (laughs) And literally, my goddaughter was like, um, she was like, "Um, Sonia, for Christmas, this is what she said, oh, never mind. All you give me is clothes every year. I was like, oh, have you're absolutely right. Besides, you right now. You know, but that's our thing. So I just think that um, a lot of people have to remember that this life really isn't about them. If we could move from being stuck on us to the bigger picture, then we would probably live a better life. Right. But it, I don't know. Like, it just makes you feel like it's just about you, but it's not just about you. And so that's my driving factor. So the business for me is bigger than self. Um, the people I work with get that concept. The, the brand that we're building, the following that we have, I'm, I don't take anything for granted. Um, I actually am very, very particular about who I put in front of these people, what I post um, particularly, because I do feel now there's a heavy social responsibility. You know, and I'm, I love memes. I'm a little petty. And I be wanting to post certain stuff, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't go with the brand. And they're like, they're like, go start a private page. I'm like, that's whack. Nobody's looking at that. And then, and then you still get judged if you do post something like the student loan doctor put. Right. And, you know, um, and so what I realized, too, now is I'm the student loan doctor before Sonia. I, the girl asked me my name. I forgot. I was like, it's the student loan doctor. You had it right. Um, so I'm always particularly interested, um, especially when I meet people like, the student loan doctor? I'm like, where is she? Um, so it's cool. But <laughs> but I think that at the end of the day, people are just excited about the work that we're doing. So long story short, consult um, to the work that we do. But we have a university, which is really cool. Uh, we have about 160 members enrolled in that. And that's a continuous daily platform for encouragement, motivation, speakers coming through and out. Um, I do certain webinar courses just for them. Um, we have meetups just for them. I'm actually starting a scholarship just for them, I want to do what's called an adult repayment scholarship where we'll be able to select. Like, I don't know if I can pay all your loans. I don't know. Right. But maybe there's something I can help you with your month. A little loans. extra principal payment don't hurt, though. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. So just really excited about um, where God is taking the brand. And, you know, I get this question like, well, where do you see the brand five years from? Like, I don't know. Right. I didn't see it this this place last year. Take that right. off the list, though. We had that night. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. I don't have an answer. Um, he had to check back in with me next year. Um, right. So it's just some good things, you know, that are happening, developing. And so I always appreciate any interview, any support, because organically that's how this thing grew and is growing. So um, a person that has student loan debt, how would they, is there ways around them going to buy a home? Yeah, so uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are two excellent programs that one should consider if they have over 50000 in debt. Okay. If they have over 50000 they need to look into either program because as long as your credit score is about a 650, 680, let's say 680, 
um, they'll be able to help you get approved because they can go by your income base for payment, not by the number. So if you owe 80000 you were trying to get a home through FHA, they would say, oh, your payment estimated is 800 a month. Right. That's unrealistic when you're making fifty, sixty thousand 60000 plus the mortgage, plus the car note. Mm -hmm. So when you have... Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, let's say we get your payment to one thirty, they can use that. One thirty is much more affordable than eight hundred. Right. Makes sense. So uh can you tell us about the uh seven streams of income? Mm -hmm. I see that on your page a lot. You always talking about that because you Yeah, some light I don't on have them in front of me. I have eleven streams. Oh, it was eleven streams. It used to be just one shaky stream, you know? <laughs> so grateful for that. The thing about streams of income and creating more streams is that you really just need to live inside of your gift. Right. And I ask people all the time, like, if you're really good at your job, right? You have a job outside. Of, I do. do. Who do you do? I work in talent acquisition. Talent acquisition. Oh well, you should have a lot of streams, right? Because talent acquisition really it sells. It's recruiting. It sells. Yeah. It sells and recruiting. Yeah. But then that discipline transfers into other things. So if you are able to acquire people, right? Then what else could you do with that skill set? Absolutely. You could do career training. You could do career you could start development, your own program. career coaching. Absolutely. You can monetize. You mm -hmm. could be, if you wanted to be uh, the career coach, the yep. new career coach on YouTube. He can monetize in that way. He can publish an ebook. Right. He could do that. I like why you're sleep money. You know, you I really agree. don't <laughs> have bad days when you wake up to PayPal. It's like, good morning. Like, I don't know. I don't really have bad days. I have bad moments. Right. Because when you wake up today, you're like, that's a good day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can sit here and y'all see some money drop. It's a great day. Right. For me, I had to even understand that money comes easily, frequently, and abundantly. Mm -hmm. And it's really just a mindset. If you struggle with money and how you're going to bring it in, then you're going to struggle with making more. But when you change your mindset that it really is easily, frequently, and abundantly, your whole perspective changes. Literally, if I put my mind to it, I could make a couple thousand in a night, but that's because I got to sit down and get focused. Mm -hmm. right. But you really are just trying to find the problem. You're trying to solve the problem someone has. For me, I hit the nail on the head, on the head with student loan debt. Absolutely, but it's something you were passionate about as well. Yeah, I don't know about that. I wasn't no? even passionate. So what happened, <laughs> I'm passionate about helping people. Okay. And I'm passionate about you know closing deals, like things, stuff like that. But student loans is weird. I'm not passionate. That's just my skill set. Right, right. And then I was like, well, I'm going to have to rock out and monetize. Definitely. And then figure out how to duplicate. Okay. So uh, we definitely thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, this was it fun. felt like church because it was a little, <laughs> we were a little rough on him at, at the same time, but we gave him some definitely some good insight on some yeah. things to think about. It was a, definitely a pleasure. Can you tell the people where they can find you at if they don't follow you? I'm sure most of yeah. them already follow you. So Instagram is the student loan doctor. Um, the website is thestudentloandoctorllc.com. We are on iTunes. The podcast is getting revamped. I was going through a journey with that, so you should go back and listen to the episodes. Right when things first started, I actually listened to them, and I think it's cool to see the journey. is fun. Um, what else do we have? Facebook.com slash thestudentloandoctor, slduniversity.org. Um, I don't know, and I'm very accessible. I don't get Hollywood. I answer people, and I do have boundaries. So somebody will see your message. So sis, you didn't see this message, sis. It was it was at three a.m. I was asleep when I was up, and so you know I will kindly correct and you know revise people. But other than that, I will say that um, if they're looking to work with us, doctorpleasehelpme.com is the website where they can select one of the coaches to get started, um, and then just be on the lookout. We have a lot coming up in different cities that we'll be in, um, and we try to advertise at least thirty days before. 
uh, people do bring us out to different cities through ways of churches or um, just kind of collaborating with other groups. So we're open to that. Um, but it really is as far as we want to take it. I really don't feel like this business or brand has any limits. I live very limitless. And so I'm just making sure that I have the same people and same energy around me. Awesome. Oh, what you got, man? Wrap yeah. us up, man. I just want to know how you remain humble after you was on the shade room and all that. Yeah, so I didn't know that was until it happened. This is how it goes, really quickly. Um, hi, can I speak to Sonia? I'm like, speaking. Hi, this is Maisha from the shade room. I said, who? Maisha from the shade room. I was like, oh, how are you? She was like, yeah, tell me your story. I was like, oh, um, so what happened was, da 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 like literally like three minutes. Love it. Posting it. I was like, okay. So I hang up. I don't know what that means yet. So I call my best friend. My best friend's a little ratchet. God bless her. So I said, like, we're going to be famous. And I was like, well, what would that mean? She was like, you'll see, you'll see. So she came in the office that night. We didn't know when it was going to drop. We had already had a little glow up from the blogs that were posting us. That night, we're literally walking out the door. Can't make this up. The, the shade room drops it. Literally, my phone looked like it was about to have a seizure. Phone started ringing in the office. Emails flooded in. I was like, I don't think we could leave. She's like, girl, let's go sit back down. So we sit back down. We call her girlfriend up. And literally, it just looked like a scene from a movie. Absolutely. I'm ordering yeah. food. We didn't leave till like 3 a.m. I didn't know. I literally remember I was uh, paralyzed for 10 minutes where I just had my hands. I was looking. I was like, well, Jesus could have sent an email for the glow up so I could get prepared, staffed up. You know, you just think about all the things that you wish you would have knew. But um, that really has changed our lives. Like right after that, like BET, all the radio stations. Um, just never life will be the same after that. I'm in contact with the lady, young lady that posted us, and she posted us a second time the same year, and she was like, well, Jesus told me to do it. I'm like, what else did he say? You know, um, and I'm just so grateful for her because promotions on the shade room can be 2,000, 4,000. Right. Jesus wasn't covering that. He was just covering the health insurance. I don't know. I can't answer for everything. Right. So, um, so long story short, you just um, so grateful. So I always tell people, because people say to me, how do I get on the shade room? I don't know. You got to talk to God. Like, do the work. It's, it's, do, the work do the work. Because it wasn't cute when I was working every day from 9 to 9. You didn't see that part. I wasn't on the gram mm -hmm. talking about that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you lose some friendships and relationships over stuff like this. And you didn't see that part. So what you see now or what people are following now is like the pre, we're making it. But you didn't see when I was in the lab. You didn't see when I was like 80 pounds heavier. Right. Because I definitely didn't have a structure to food and, and stress and things of that nature. So I always tell people like, it looks good now. It's great to be alive now, but you should have caught me when I was in the lab, and I probably could have gave you better insight. It wasn't with you shooting in the gym. It wasn't shooting with you in the gym. So, <laughs> but guys, I'm really excited to have been here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, always been a great friend. And I just think that if somebody's listening to this, like, don't be like, oh, that was a great episode. Like, go look at your loans. Go look at your credit. Yeah. Make a plan. Yeah. Absolutely. And then reach out. That's what we're here for, man. Push awesome. culture for it. Culture bias. Another episode. Episode 16. 16. Right. Yeah. We out of here. School spirit up for the mud. Alpha step, omega step, kappa step, sigma step. Gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk. Ooh, hecky now nah, that boy is raw. AKA step, delta step, SG roll step.